and welcome to Phoenix Foundation, an episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Reboot Season 1, Episode 14, Fish Scaler. episode was February 3rd, 2017. It was directed by Eagle Eagleson mm-hmm. with a teleplay by Craig O'Neill and David Slack and a story by John Terman. Uh, interesting interesting group of people with the writing and directing. Right. Because uh, Eagle Eagleson um, uh, has, uh, he was a former director of photography and he okay. did a lot of uh, Red Shoe Diaries. Oh, really? Yeah. I was like, oh my. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but he's also directed like some Once Upon a Time. Uh, the John Terman, um, he was one of the co-writers of the Angley Hulk. Right. And your recent view of uh, Rise of the Silver yeah. Surfer. Yeah, Fantastic Four uh, 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he also previously wrote uh, Wirecutter. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think Craig O'Neill and David Slack have written a couple episodes earlier. I think yeah, one yeah. of them was Screwdriver. Yeah, and uh, and like, you know, they worked on Burn Notice and, uh, and well, David... Uh, Craig O'Neill worked on Burn Notice, and Davis Slack uh, has a lot of cartoon credits, like Teen oh. Titans and Totally Spies and stuff like that. Oh, cool. Um, and why don't we describe this episode in brief? Well, in this episode, uh, Mac and Jack are tracking down a FBI agent who's wanted for killing a federal prosecutor who's un- in hiding and who's resurfaced appearing in a YouTube viral video. Right. Which I think is actually an interesting premise. That someone is. just happened to get caught on a video and it went viral, and that's why people... It seems like this series has a lot of interesting premises that get just fumbled into nonsense at the end. Yeah. Um, we start the episode where? Uh, in a training... In the in the Phoenix training room, which was pretty it's obvious. It's like a gymnasium, yeah. This is where we saw like Patricia Thornton occasionally like going at a punching bag and stuff like that. Yeah, beating people up until... Uh, Ina Dumlau came in and was like, hey, uh, you just got a fax. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this scene, MacGyver is interrogating someone who's got a bag over their head and who's like strapped to like a workout bench right. kind of thing in an in a upward reclined position. And uh, the person is attempting to break loose of his binds, and when MacGyver turns his back, the person's gone. Yeah. Um, and uh, attempts to grab MacGyver only to be subdued by him again uh and it, re- it the reveal is that it's bozer yeah and this was just been a training even though it was very obvious that they were in like not like they were in yeah. the gymnasium at the phoenix foundation it yeah, was, it they was pretty obvious they could have had worse lighting to yeah. keep it like make it feel like it was an actual like underground dungeon type situation mm-hmm. but instead they were just like yeah this is a very clean gymnasium that we're in yeah uh, and, and he wants to know what his time was compared to other people having broken out of this trap because mm-hmm. I guess Riley went through the same thing. And uh, MacGyver implies that Riley's time was better. Yeah, by, so, not, by not responding. Yeah, and so Bozer wants to go again. And that's the opening gambit. Like it's. I don't even want to call these opening gambits anymore. Yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't anything. It, it, it was like – it didn't even need to hey, occur. Hey, you guys, we have eight minutes – uh, while we relight this other scene, do you want to go film an opening gambit? Yeah, it doesn't cost us anything, including writing. Yeah, just just, just do whatever you want. Improvise the scene. Just do whatever you want, and we'll film it and call it an opening gambit. Um, just 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 show the opening credits and go into the show. Yeah, like I, I don't I don't need this. Yeah. Um, or just insert the opening credits somewhere else in because the, they have the, they get their mission and then they go and yeah. put the credits there. Okay, that's that's a fine place to cut. Yeah. 
Um, because the next put more commercials here. I'd rather see a commercial for chips here. <laughs> the 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 food or the upcoming Both. feature film. <laughs> yeah, both look great to me. <laughs> Uh, so the uh, next scene is they are in Matty Weber's office. Well, we are in Matty Weber's office, and so is Jack. Yeah, he's getting his evaluation mm-hmm. in the form of just a grueling staring contest. Yeah. Uh, Jack and Matty, I think if we mentioned that they have a history together, um, he is she is why Jack left the FBI. And they're still dancing the around the fact that it was probably a romantic relationship. Yeah. I think that that's, I think that that's kind of where they're going Where they're this. leading it, yeah. Um, so MacGyver, Bozer, and Riley are outside watching, and it turns out that MacGyver has been postponing his evaluations by sabotaging the Phoenix Foundation. Right. Which is which, a felony. Yeah, which, <laughs> in the end conversation, like, I was skipping ahead here, that there's a conversation between MacGyver and Maddie Weber about his performance. It's just like, though things didn't come up. Yeah. Like, he's... By the way, only one person here uses... Gum wrappers to uh, short all of our electricity, and it's not Jack. Uh, so, uh, since Jack's evaluation is going, I guess, uh, unknown well or, or bad, yeah, um, we get the impression that Maddie respects Jack as an agent, at right. least, regardless of their personal feelings. Uh, they get a message from uh, from Weber to come into the room with Jack, because yeah. they're all outside anyway watching. And they've got a – this is where they reveal the part of the plot here is that Riley has been working on a code project, a facial recognition project codenamed FR1507. Right. The creativity abounds here with yeah. these with these code names. Um, it's a very clear reference to the facial recognition. Yeah. They had 1,506 versions that didn't yeah, work out. Yeah, they didn't work out. So they spent two seconds writing down a number. Uh, so – and it, but Riley has been like running it through false positives by just scanning uh, videos online, right? Like so clearly, like none of these people are these people aren't felons or yeah. on the most wanted list. So it should be dealing these all out as if yeah. there were any positives, they should be false positives. Yeah. So, but actually got a hit on someone who was in this viral video of uh, a the guy trying to rob a convenience store. Yeah. And being beaten over the head by the convenience store. Now, owner. does she hit him over the head with a two-liter bottle, like a yeah, plastic two-liter two bottle? bottle, and it breaks? I can see, I can see that happening. Like, really, I, can see, I can't see it breaking. Well, it depends on where it breaks. I don't think it would break the way it did in the video, where the mm. bottom comes off of it. But I could see it maybe busting on the side or something like that. Mm. But it wouldn't hurt that much. Uh, I think if you swung it with enough force, trust it would me, hurt. I've been hit with my fair share of two-liter bottles, and I'm fine. <laughs> Regardless, the uh, the person in the background of the video is who they're looking for. Right. A Douglas Bishop, played by Frank Whaley. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know Frank Whaley, he is a character actor. He's had a couple of leads. Uh, he was in Swimming with the Sharks. Swimming with Sharks, sorry. Yeah. Uh, with Kevin Spacey, which was an interesting, weird kind of movie. It seems... Was that a play? It seems like it was a play. Um, and It could have uh, been. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but um, most of the things I know him from are things like uh, he had a very, very small part in Hoffa, but uh, it was an important part. And, right. Um, but and probably his best known thing, obviously, would be as Wade Coley <laughs> in Monster Trucks, uh, starring Lucas Till. Yeah, well, that's kind of an interesting connection. I bet that's why he's in the show. I'm sure it is. Um, but I mostly know him from Field of Dreams. Really? Yeah. Uh, my number one is actually Pulp Fiction. Really? Yeah, where he's Brett. 
mm. the guy who can't stop saying what, and Jules <laughs> wants to shoot him in the face. Say what again! In Field of Dreams, he was uh, the young Archibald Moonlight Graham, who, uh, this was one of my um, trivia podcast thing that, questions that we had oh, way what, back in the day. What was it? Uh, so Frank Whaley played the young Archibald Moonlight Graham, who played the elder Archibald, the older version. Okay, so who'd, who would look like an older version of Frank Whaley? James Earl Jones? You guessed it. Burt Lancaster. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, Burt Lancaster was him. Uh, that was a little fun little trivia. He also um, played Detective Raphael Scarf on, I think, six or so episodes of the new Luke Cage series. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, um, I only watched on the like, the first couple episodes, but I need to get caught up on all those Marvel Netflix yeah. series. Yeah. Uh, so, because the, there's the, the was it, not the, it's not the... Iron Fist is coming up soon. Yeah, but what's their group called? The Defenders? Defenders, yes. Yeah. That's going to be so good. Mm-hmm. Just... I just love that they did the exact same thing on Netflix and set it up with like four different TV shows and then combine them into one. Yeah. Or is it five TV shows? Are they using all five people? Because um, they have Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke, Luke Cage, Cage, Iron Fist, and they're doing a Punisher series, mm-hmm. I think. So is it all five of them that are going to be on Defenders? I don't know. I don't. I feel like Punisher is the outlier. He's like the Batman of the Justice League. Yeah. But they're also doing um, another couple abc shows mm-hmm. and 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 uh, hulu or amazon i think are getting shows too now yeah that's crazy they're just printing money over there so uh anyway frank whaley's character douglas bishop is wanted he's a former fbi agent i guess right and he's number six on the most wanted list yeah he he is wanted for killing a federal prosecutor and as well as uh planting evidence and all this other stuff he's uh, and that's that. Actually, now that I think about it, that that earns you the number six slot. I guess killing one federal prosecutor, one count of murder. I don't know who's on the other. I don't know who who's on that list. Well, it just seemed like Hannibal as a Lecter kid, like on, on like America's Most Wanted, it would be like this guy killed nine people in mm-hmm. three states, and he's been missing. And it's like he's number forty. It's like okay, <laughs> maybe maybe things are getting better. There aren't many. Yeah. The, the one. America's Most Wanted. This guy jaywalked twice yeah. and we caught it on a traffic cam. <laughs> if you've seen this man, do not approach him. Yeah. He may try to flee across the street. He may lure you into <laughs> traffic. <laughs> he can be identified by crossing against the signal. <laughs> um, uh, so he was caught on the viral video. And but they don't feel that they can contact the FBI with this information because um, they think someone's been protecting him. Because they notice that he's been he's been up for charges in the past and everything has been dismissed and covered up and they can't they can't lock him in with a charge. Yeah. Which in our experience on MacGyver is because the person is not breaking the law. Yeah. But sometimes, like in the case of the villain from Twice Stung, mm-hmm. where he was like. Clearly a bad guy, but that the, he was taking advantage of loopholes, which yeah. just is another way of saying he didn't break the law. You mean <laughs> he you did mean, nothing illegal? You mean like loopholes, like being bound and gagged inside of a trunk inside the evidence room? Yeah, exactly. Like, what are you doing in the evidence room? You're you clearly arrest. broke in here like this <laughs> and locked yourself in. Yeah. So, so um, for some reason, their assumption is, well, this guy's been found innocent so many times that there's no way he's not guilty. <laughs> So they said, "Okay, well, go find him." It's like that, it's like that guy, the Jinx. He just keep, he just keeps getting away yeah, with it. Except slightly different in that that guy didn't get away in the end, <laughs> from what I understand. 
I didn't watch the documentary. I haven't seen it either. But I, I just remember there were a lot of news stories right when the show ended. Um, but yeah, so they decide they're going to head out to this mm-hmm. liquor store. And and talk to the owner, yeah. who is another great character actor. Um, I guess her first name is pronounced Siobhan, yeah. um, which I never knew. Siobhan Fallon Hogan. Um, That's Eileen Preskin, although mm-hmm. I don't think they mentioned her last name. No, but I mean, maybe they did. But, sure. Um, she She's like a Saturday Night Live regular back in the 90s. Yeah. But most. Well, people, she's only like a couple seasons, right? Well, she know, and she wasn't know. even a regular cast member. I think she was like just randomly appeared on the show. She might have been a, like a writer that showed up occasionally in mm-hmm. sketches and stuff. Yeah, she's very funny. Um, most people will probably know her as the woman from Men in Black who Beatrice. was married to yeah. Edgar. Yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio's wife, who uh, <laughs> who is pouring in the sugar water. Yeah, your skin's hanging off your bones. <laughs> sugar um, water more. Um, but I, she also had like a, a small part in the negotiator. For some reason, her cameo in Forrest Gump sticks in my head yeah. as, as the bus driver. Mm. I like I liked her also in big her small cameo in Big Trouble with Tim Allen. Yeah, <laughs> it's just the, the crooked ticketing agent is just taking all the money so these people can get on a plane. Yeah, um, and she also um, most recently had a long run on uh, the. Uh, Wayward Pines series. That, mm. That's the uh, M. Night Shyamalan yeah. television series. With a twist. Yeah. I think uh, the Duffer brothers were writers on Wayward Pines. Oh, originally. really? Yeah. Now I'm intrigued. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of wanted to see it anyway because we did the dailies when I was at Keep Me Posted and I was watching it like, this show looks really weird, but mm. like, it's good lighting. Like, I, I like all the cinematography and everything about it. So. It seemed like it should be cool. And now M. Night Shyamalan wants them to like repay him by letting him direct an episode of Stranger Things at some point. <laughs> uh, which is like, all right. I you guess. can't be in it, though. <laughs> yeah. Then I refuse. No cameos. Uh, so uh, the owner, Eileen, basically was convinced that Jack and MacGyver are Hollywood uh, agents looking for to get her life rights for her story for the video. Because so many people have already come in asking mm-hmm. for her information. Um, but they admit that they're here for the guy in the background of the video, who she only knows as Charlie, and he just comes in for generic gooey pies, cream-filled garbage, you know? And apparently he comes in for them at the same time every day. Mm-hmm. And I Clockwork. assume that their plan was going to be Oh, he comes in every day. We'll just stake out this place. Yeah. Wait for him to come in again. But, but instead... She actually knows who the guy is, and uh, he flirts with her so much that he's actually, like, done drawings for her that she mm-hmm. has posted up all over the front desk at the he, gas station. He draws them like, like his French girls. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, MacGyver wants to... Uh, he takes a photo of one of the, one of the sketches, and... He's using it because uh, it's a sketch of a hummingbird feeder, and in the background there's buildings. Yeah. So he's thinking, well, maybe we can triangulate where his apartment is based on these buildings in the background. Yeah, because the illustration has the exact dimensions of a photograph. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, they start kind of going out on their own while we cut back to the Phoenix Foundation, where Bozer is working in the lab, and Maddie Weber sneaks up behind him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and she says, totally useless scene. Yeah, I'm just here to watch you work. And it was just like, oh, okay. I guess it was doesn't just... pay off for the whole rest of the episode. Nope. And uh, then we're right immediately back to MacGyver and Jack, and we and miss... they're already in the yeah in the apartment. You know what would have been better than a scene with Bozer? A scene where Mac and Jack are looking for the buildings and like they're trying to compare 
and like okay okay this is it now we yeah. said we would head straight away from these two buildings and we would we'll... it's like they're contractually obligated to have a certain number of scenes with each character for each yeah. episode good contracts then for them yeah i mean uh so macgyver and jack are looking around the apartment and they find uh, macgyver spots some something scribbled on a piece of newspaper by the phone uh number 23-5 and uh does that ever pay off yeah it does okay yeah. i didn't remember that um but immediately two fbi agents burst in the door and tell them to drop their guns and so of course they do uh well jack is hesitant to do it yeah of course until jack mcgyver is... like slaps that out of his hands to remind him these are fbi agents they will shoot us if you don't put the gun down yeah um but neither one tries to give their their credentials as right. the phoenix foundation well because because they're doing this on the dl from the fbi right so uh, when the FBI agents start asking him questions, especially one guy with a really thick, heavy accent of you yeah. guys. Yeah, what are you guys doing here? It, it was, it's Sam Rockwell from Ninja Turtles 2. Yeah. Listen up, you guys, because I'm always going to tell you is once. <laughs> like, Does he really do that? He's yeah. Like, oh, jeez. Um, a great movie. <laughs> uh, of course, they, you know, they don't cooperate, and they get put in the – FBI vehicle in the back, handcuffed, you know, hands in the back. And uh, so then the two agents walk far away from the car to have yeah, a conversation. to have a conversation that they could have just had in front of these guys if yeah. they had nothing to hide. Um, but, yeah, you know, they have to. we have to cast doubt for right. the audience. Yeah, so they wander off to have a conversation away from the police car with the keys in it. Mm-hmm. And so or Mac no, I guess it doesn't have the keys. No, no, but, but MacGyver somehow is able to put it in neutral. Can you do that with a car without the keys? You can if there's not uh, like an inner a shift fence lock. between the front and back seat. Yeah. Uh, so MacGyver reaches his foot and kicks the car into neutral, so the car starts rolling down a hill. And J I, I actually really like this whole scene because Jack is just super excited about everything that's happening. <laughs> he's like, whoa, whoa, I thought I, I understood you said you could move the car. I didn't think you were talking about getting us killed. Yeah. And he's like, all right, Jack, well, yeah, I'm working on it. He's like, oh, all right then. Yeah, <laughs> go for it. Yeah, the the only like I think I laughed twice in this episode, but the the line that made me laugh was, "This is only counts as an escape if we don't die, Mac." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, that's funny." Uh, so he manages. I guess I I missed it. I must have looked away when he brings the handcuffs around to the front. Yeah, which you know you just you pull know, your legs. Yeah, to as long it, yeah. assuming that the handcuffs are tight enough. Yeah, that you can't do that, but they weren't, so he was able to. Um, and he's able to get the car started. And does this really great spin at the bottom of the hill, and then drives off. Uh, and uh, and again, Jack is just like laughing and having a great time. Yeah, like he's just thrilled that they got out of this. And situation. as they're rolling straight back down a hill, there's a car coming up behind them mm -hmm. that's just laying on its horn. Yeah. Instead what? of steering around them or getting out of the way, it's mm -hmm. just like, hey, you're reversing full speed directly at me. I'm like, gonna honk my horn. I would horn. assume it was an empty car mm -hmm. and get out of its way. But this person just continued to drive straight at them. So yeah. at the last second, MacGyver yanks on the steering wheel enough to swerve around them. Right. But if the neutral works and he's not able to hotwire the car quite yet, the brakes should at least work. Yeah. There's no reason that he can't press on the brakes here. Even in neutral, the brakes work. Yeah, yeah. Even even without the keys, the brakes work. Yeah. It's kind of like the whole concept. Yeah. Um, but luckily that person didn't also swerve in the same direction at the same time. Yeah. Like when you're walking down a hallway and you're trying to avoid someone yeah. and you just go back and forth. Yeah. And you just slam head on into the person <laughs> and total their face. <laughs> and then, then flee the scene. Right. Because you don't have insurance. 
Thanks, Obama. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. He's not the one oh, who took it away. Um, uh, so, uh, immediately, Maddie Weber calls them and says, did you guys just steal an FBI car? Because I got a report here that two suspects in Atlanta stole an FBI car. Hmm. Um, and so they, they try to, to play it downplay it i guess so, so yeah. like, no we didn't we didn't steal it um so they head out oh so this is where the 23-5 comes into play okay uh macgyver they found uh bishop's car at the train station right so macgyver immediately assumes like well he's not on the train because he wouldn't be that stupid to drive his own car and leave it at the train station yeah so macgyver then asks to check the bus schedules and see if there's a 23 at a five o'clock um i would have preferred that he said try variations of like two, three and five, two, three and five. Like it could have been like two thirty to five. You know, like, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I feel like just assuming that it's bus 23 at 5 PM was a little bit of a stretch. Yeah. It's a little on the nose. Uh, but, uh, of course they find out there is a bus that's leaving at that time. Yeah. And when they head there, they, uh, we get a little bit of a, a scene with Jack and Mac trying, Mac Ivers trying to, get some information about his relationship with Maddie Weber. Right. And what happened. And Jack is again, being very cagey about the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, and before he's, he maybe is getting the inkling to start the story. They spot Bishop. Right. Um, who immediately runs and they yell, and Jack just yells, Hey, stop. Yeah. And I said to you during the show, and like, the guy just sits down. Yeah. I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's like, yes, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's got the same issues. Um, <laughs> what are you doing? Come here. Okay, I'll go. <laughs> stop. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> uh, MacGyver makes a, is they call it a bolo or bola? What do they call those things? Where you, the, Something like that. Yeah. One of those words. It, it's, I'll say bolo because it kind of looks like a bolo tie. Mm-hmm. It, it's a, it's when you have like two heavy weights or three heavy weights around a rope and you get it spinning in the air so that when it hits its target, it wraps around, uh, like the legs and yeah. them. Although it doesn't seem to have done that to this particular person. Yeah, it, it just... He, he winds up, and the pitch looks like he almost drops it in the first shot. Mm-hmm. In the second shot, it, it at least hits the guy in the legs, but it's very clear that it did not wrap around his legs. Yeah. I'm guessing that they got about four or five takes into this, and they were like, we're losing light. Yeah, let's, let's just, go. Let's, we're moving. Moving on. Uh, so they catch Bishop, and he says he's not working with the FBI. He's trying to get away from the FBI. Because they're they've been using him to do all these illegal acts, um, so he he goes through his whole story that he wanted to get out, and he went to this federal prosecutor. They keep pulling me back in. <laughs> uh, every time, people keep asking me if I'm back, and I haven't really had an answer. But yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. <laughs> John Wick too. Yeah, I am excited. Um. He he tells them that he went to this federal prosecutor pretty much because she was a woman, because there's been a, an unidentified man on the phone giving him orders and threatening his life. Right. So he figured, well, the only person he could trust probably wouldn't be a man. Uh, that's really his, his logic, which yeah. is like, okay. Um, and before he could come in under her protective custody, she was killed. Um, and at least that's the way he describes it. He didn't describe it as he was in the room with her when she was murdered. Yeah. I was like, okay, that's a little bit more um, yeah. in, more personal. We were standing face-to-face when she was shot in the chest. By someone who I couldn't tell where they were, even though the shot came from right next to me. Uh, but, you know, you're in a parking structure, I guess. It, like, right. it would echo. It just echoes everywhere. 
so they uh, they take him in. And at the same time, the the two FBI agents are arriving on the scene. Yeah, yeah. So they, so because Riley is that Tanner and something. It's Brooks and Cho. Brooks and Cho. Okay. Are there are there agents' names? Um, the actors playing Brooks and Cho. Uh, chose played by Michael Toe or Tao, uh, and uh, I don't have Brooks on here. I had information for an Agent Tanner, but I don't know who that is. I think I think Tanner, no, because his name was Dreyer. Dreyer's the federal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm missing. I don't. Yeah. Ha- I don't have that name on I here. I wonder if it, if Tanner is supposed to be the Brooks, like if it was Tanner Brooks or Brooks Tanner. I'm bringing. I'm bringing the Gary Weeks up. Yeah, that's got to yeah. be him. Yeah, Gary Weeks. Yeah. So Gary Weeks is the second of the two FBI agents yeah. that are, but he has a lot of cool credits coming yeah. up. Yeah. Well, like he was. He was in Jurassic World. He was. He played father of three. So I'm mm-hmm. assuming he's like a guy running with three with kids. With his kids, yeah. And then uh, he was Officer McMillian in The Nice Guys. Oh, okay. But he also has uh, Fast 8 and Spider-Man Homecoming yeah. on the horizon. His his credit in Spider-Man Homecoming is actor. Yeah. Um, that could mean two things. It means he doesn't have a name for his character yet, or he's actually literally playing some actor in the in the, sh- in the movie. Yeah, like, that's possible. Like there's like a scene in a play or something. Yeah, but it's it's mostly high school stuff, I think, for the next one. So. I kind of dig his – I mean, I don't know if like Gary Weeks is his real name, but because um, it's like a – Great stage name. Yeah. <laughs> Gary Weeks. Yeah. Um, and he's German. Wouldn't you know? Wouldn't you? Uh, so uh, now that they have uh, you know, Bishop in custody, they're listening to his story, um, but now they need to confirm it. So uh, they take him into uh, – they take him to a, like a hotel yeah. for privacy. Um, but they took the stolen FBI car to the hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Riley now has her time with, uh, Maddie Weber yeah. for this time for her eva- evaluation. And this is a very weird scene Yeah, because, uh, she, she says like, Oh, uh, director Weber, I didn't see you there. Um, and she, and I did like the joke though. I was like, please call me Maddie. Director Weber is my father. <laughs> yeah it's like and what? then she pauses for a second like okay and she said that was a joke yeah and then riley says so i shouldn't call you addy and she says call me maddie so either the joke is that riley is just stupid <laughs> or the actress literally said the wrong name on set mm-hmm. nobody heard it and bothered to write it down and cut around it it made it the whole way through the edit. Nobody bothered to fix it. Nope. And no, now the line is, so I shouldn't call you Addie, even though she clearly meant Maddie. Yeah. We went back twice and like, yeah, I to backed it. it up because my daughter's name is Addie. So I hear that name a lot. So when I heard it, I was like, that's not, there's nobody on this show called that. What is happening? Yeah. It was very sloppy. It's very weird that they would leave that in the cut. But that's what they did. And it's very, it's not like it's muffled. She mm-hmm. very clearly just says, So I shouldn't call you Maddie? Part of her evaluation with Maddie Weber is uh, Maddie, susep, uh, susa? Maddie suspects that she hacked into the Pentagon under the alias Artemis 37. Yeah. Um, because usually when you're hacking, you use your name or a name. 
Yeah. Instead of just not using anything. Yeah, she's like, oh, you used a different used handle, a, uh, an anonymous handle to hack into the Pentagon instead of hacking in as Riley. <laughs> of course, I didn't hack in with my own name, genius lady. Yeah. Uh, but even as a precursor to that, she's like, I know what happened. I heard that you hacked the NSA twice and it's mm-hmm. like oh well if you read the whole file then you know that i was i was doing it under duress both times yeah and that that's irrelevant so maddie weber agrees to keep riley on provisionally even though she was already on provisionally right and she also says i i know exactly why you did it you did it because you wanted to see if you could and you did because you didn't take anything mm-hmm. but that's not the way hacking works just accessing the information is taking. Yeah. Like, it's not like she was going to pull information and, and somehow take it offline on their end. Mm-hmm. If you If you break into a room full of files and you see the names of the files, yeah, that's gaining knowledge that you didn't previously yeah, have. So that's taking something. So she, she, if she hacked in at all, she collected information she did not have. It's not like she was going to take it offline for the FBI or the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. But yeah. She basically, yeah, says, guess what? You got the job. <laughs> <laughs> but I might fire you. So <laughs> stick around. Uh, MacGyver at the hotel room makes a tripwire. Uh, it's, it's really it's not really a tripwire, I guess. It's, it's not designed to trip to be activated. It's just designed to be stepped on. So I guess it's like more like a pressure wire. Yeah. I don't know. He he rigs it up to a, a small little fan that'll but go But somehow off. nobody notices this wire running the full length of a stair step. Yeah, like going all the way up and then across the hallway. It would make sense if it was like a millimeter off of the stair and mm-hmm. it was kind of lit from above so that you couldn't see it. But it's like a full like four inches up and yeah. people are stepping on a string and pushing it down every time. Yeah. I trip going up the stairs, so there's definitely – I would definitely – You would find it because you would be right there face yeah. to face with it. <laughs> Uh, so the fan is like an early warning system for people coming up the stairs, uh, even though it never comes into play. Because it here's the thing. It kind of does, but not really. Yeah, because they, they get just, a warning on the phone. They get a warning on the phone that, so that the people are there for them, and they look out the window before. Right. So it was worthless. Um, but before that happens, we have another major problem here in the hotel room. Oh, what's that? Which is we get a phone call from... Phoenix Foundation, mm-hmm. and they want to send over some video evidence. Oh, yes, the video evidence. And uh, so we see the video evidence that Frank Whaley is a murderer, and uh, Bishop, and uh, the footage is of him empty-handed in a parking structure mm-hmm. talking to a woman, and then the screen just goes completely like Bo- static Yeah. And then when it comes back... She's falling over dead, and he's still completely empty-handed, freaking out that she just got shot. And then he runs off so he doesn't get shot. And they're like, wow, this does not look good for Bishop. This is pretty incriminating. It's the the least incriminating evidence that you could possibly imagine. And then they ask ask, uh, Riley what she thinks of the video, and she says, well... Uh, if you look at that static closely, you'll you'll notice that there's that some of it was added artificially, so um, it's it's clearly not uh, it's it, the video has been tampered with. Yeah. Watch, I'll push one button and remove all of the static from mm-hmm. a video that we only have on like a magnetic tape. Yeah. So there's no way for me to correct this picture, 
and then she shows them the video, and it's not like there's some evidence of the static being undone. Mm-hmm. It's completely gone. Yeah. It's completely back to its like she should work in film restoration. Yeah. And uh, and we see him talking to this agent, and then a dude just pops out from behind a car and shoots her, and, and then, then pops and ducks back down. Yeah, and ducks back down, and Bishop has no idea where the shot came from and just freaks out and runs yeah. off. Now, when we see the person pop out, well, we we, didn't, we, we neglected to mention is that uh, Maddie Weber gets a call from the regional director of the FBI, right? Who's basically trying to tell her, I think someone's corrupt in my office, and I know you guys are going after Bishop, and um. Just let me know how I can help. Like I, I know you can't trust me, but I'm trusting you. Yeah. Uh, and so, so she knows what he looks like. Yeah. So we see the guy pop up in the video, and it's 100 percent the that regional guy. director of the FBI. Yeah. It just looks exactly like him. And, and and they should have the same software that they used to find Frank Whaley to run this through an FBI yeah. database. And and no one says anything about it. Like no one. Yeah, they're just like, well, this looks less incriminating for Bishop. Yeah. But there's really no way to tell who this guy is. <laughs> from, from the obvious video. All I can tell from this video is that he's not a six-foot-tall black man. Mm-hmm. That, that's my, that's the comparison. That's that all they're able to tell. And then they say, okay, and also, just so you know, because you stole an FBI vehicle and parked it at the hotel when you checked in, mm-hmm. the FBI knows exactly where you are because you're all idiots. Yeah. And they're coming up the stairs right now. Yeah. So leave. Yeah, so a SWAT team's been called in, and uh, I guess they're just taking position for a really long time because MacGyver has enough time to uh, he like he fu- makes a bump key. Yeah, I've never is this a thing? I've never heard of. That. I think this was in the um, Anarchist Cookbook at some okay. point. But if you can basically force a key into a key lock, yeah, that it. I mean, he doesn't really do much to the key that he has, mm-hmm. but he uses, like, a plain key and then just smacks it with a book so yeah. that it forces it into the lock, and like, then he turns it. Yeah, I'm locking it up right now. Lock bumping and uh, a typical bump key. Yeah. Interesting. And then, uh, so they basically use it to get into one room and then use it again to get into the next room. Mm-hmm. The so- first room has just a guy taking a shower whistling, and the second room has some parents sleeping and a kid sitting on the bed just staring right at yeah. the but I, you, you never see this in a hotel where there are three rooms in a row that are connected by these doors. The, the adjoining usually rooms? Usually it's just two rooms. It's yeah, not usually then, three rooms in a row. Uh, yeah, because who, who would get three adjoining rooms? Or a room with... I mean, has has any have any of our listeners ever had a hotel room with doors that led to both rooms on both sides? Yeah. Because I, I don't think that room exists. Uh, so they bypass the SWAT team because when the SWAT team breach their hotel room they all go inside leaving no one yeah a outside. team of like 12 guys all go into this one bedroom mm-hmm. hotel room and mac jack and bishop all sneak out yeah i'm surprised they didn't just steal the swat team car since it's clearly be, yeah. unattended yeah <laughs> and probably running mm-hmm. and they they even they they do leave a guy in the doorway but he's looking as the a other lookout, way, but yeah. he's just for some reason looking the way that the stairs aren't mm-hmm. to make sure that nobody leaves uh, they call back in uh, to announce that they have stolen a different car. Right. And that Maddie Weber tells them that they arrested one of the two agents, Brooks. Right. And uh, he is now uh, in custody and they're checking out a, the other agent. So it's time to, to come in. Right. So we uh, go back to the Phoenix Foundation where, yeah. where Bozer is getting his mm-hmm. um, 
his evaluation. Well, that, that his, or no, I guess yeah. it's not an evaluation. No, he comes in before his evaluation is supposed to happen. Yeah, and and Weber is like, "What are you doing here, Bozer?" Um, and Bozer goes into this long process of talking about his old jobs, and she's like, "I'm not interested in all this." She's like, "Listen, I've I've known a lot of bosses, and this guy Brooks." Is clearly not a boss. Yeah, he's, he's been working the same dead end job for for twenty years. He's he's still on the street. He mm-hmm. should have a, a cushy desk job by now. If yeah. he was if he was taken a little off the top, he'd be higher up in the organization by mm-hmm. now. So uh, MacGyver and Jack, with Bishop, plan to hand him hand him over to an agent that they can trust, according to Weber. Right. Um, and when we get but there, she doesn't describe him at all in advance. Yeah. You know, that would probably be a good idea. Yeah. So um, that you know it's an agent they can trust. Or that you know that it's even an, an FBI agent. It could, it, there's some guy there. You just – are you the FBI? Are you the guy? On well, Deep Throat. <laughs> I have some secrets about Nixon. Okay, well, you're a little late. <laughs> and you're not the guy we're looking for. You haven't seen this picture. Holy crap. Is that a dress? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Dig up Nixon. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the regional director is there and – when uh, Weber calls in to say, unless it's a six-foot-tall black guy, don't hand him over. Yeah. And MacGyver, they already got the drop. Like, the the, the director, Dreyer, already has the gun out and Jack on Jack. And MacGyver runs up, don't hand him over to Bishop. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't hand him over. Don't hand Bishop over. Ah! <laughs> Too late. Grunt. Why was Maybe. I so far away from yeah, you? Yeah, why was I way back there taking a call when I should have been up here with you? Um, so now they're trying to talk uh, the deputy director down. And he says, no, no, see, like, I can get away because I've been take, stealing all this money. You know, he's, he caught, they caught him monologuing. Yeah. Um, so MacGyver While grabs... While he's doing that, yeah, MacGyver takes the, the cord for the electric vehicles mm-hmm. and just jams it into a power box. Yeah, which causes all the lights to explode. Right. And this gives Jack the opportunity to get the drop on him. And then he throws his handcuffs at him. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the implication was you put these on. Yeah. Which you, you know don't, how to do it. You're but, an FBI agent. Yeah. Which you, yeah, you know how to do it in such a way that you can get out of them. Yeah. You never let your prisoner put on their own cuffs. Yeah. Because they'll leave them loose intentionally. That's the problem, though. Jack is super lazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, always check the cuffs. Like, tighten them up. Yeah. Real tight. Uh, so now we're back at the foundation and everyone's in like waiting outside because Bozer's getting his evaluation and they think it's not going well because the glass is opaque. Yeah. Uh, it's that, you know, the smart glass and all of a sudden out come Maddie Weber and Bozer laughing together. Yeah. Um, and Maddie is really impressed that he spoke truth to power. Yeah. That, that he came up and told her that she's wrong about Brooks, uh, because, you know, he may not have field experience, but he's got life experience. Yeah, and she's like, so you're bad at everything. I can teach everything, except <laughs> speaking truth to power. Yeah, that's the one thing. Uh... Oh, <laughs> sorry. I, I, I literally was like, where am I? Oh, I'm on the very last sentence. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, MacGyver now has his evaluation. Yeah. And Weber is basically of the mindset is I don't like your fly by the wire, fly by the seat of your pants, figure out things as you go, attitude, and your crazy inventions yeah. that seem to work, but but I think it's luck. Yeah. And MacGyver says, no, it's not luck. Yeah, he says, with all due respect, Maddie, 
mm-hmm. it's not luck, which I think is the like the I mean, not it I don't think it's an arrogant thing to say, but yeah. I think it's the most arrogant thing that he's said like maybe in the whole series yeah. or in both series for him to just say look, all this is happening because I'm really talented. It yeah. has nothing to do with luck. And it's like, I feel like even Richard Dean Anderson would have been like, yeah, you're right. Like, I do a lot of dumb risks and I yeah. I half almost blow myself up every time. And and the coin just sort of falls my way a lot of the time. I I, I think MacGyver in the original series has even said stuff like that. Like, it's like, nah, it's yeah, he's like sooner or later, this is going to blow up in my face and I should be retiring. Yeah, exactly. Like, friends. Yeah. Um. Because, uh, you know, how many more times can he get lucky? That yeah. lucky. Yeah. Um, but this MacGyver is like, no, this is this is totes me. And it's weird. It's like, a lot of those MacGyver episodes, I had, the original series, I had seen before, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, I've watched them now with you and reviewed them with you. Yeah. And I still remember them. Yeah. Like, None of these episodes are very memorable. Are memorable. And well, that's because there, there's not a lot of substantial plot, for the most part. Yeah. And they're not they're not different enough. Like I could take I could edit an episode of this MacGyver and use characters and scenes from every episode so far, and it would still make sense. Because mm. it'd just be like, oh, we need a chase scene. I'll pick any random chase scene yeah. because none of them have anything to do with the story. It's just random. Yeah, so, I mean, I just don't feel like the stakes are high in any of these episodes. Like, go catch this FBI guy, this former agent. Catch yeah. him. It's like, is that really, like, the case that yeah. they're taking? Um, it's like, okay. I mean, maybe I'm making a big, like, maybe I'm belittling it in a way that it shouldn't be. Because that, that's important. I'm not saying that it's not important. It, it just seems like it's not, uh, like going in and disarming a nuclear facility yeah. where someone's it's, been stealing uranium. It's not as important as, say, preventing a small-scale uh, baseball card forgery ring. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Eating my own words. <laughs> um, but there was also an attempted murder. Yeah. Uh, this one had an actual It's not murder. as important as, like, making sure that a regional hockey player plays less aggressively yeah (laughs) (laughs) without still not committing any crimes Uh, but see i remember those episodes i remember that's thin ice i do too i remember yeah even so i remember those episodes that's true you do i don't remember them um even though i just brought them up i'm not gonna remember fish scaler no especially not with a title like fish scaler yeah and don't you guys try and tell me he used a fish scaler in this episode because that was very clearly a saw that he used on the police car, unless it was the fish scaler. <laughs> in which case, unless why would you use a fish scaler? I don't get it. Why are they still calling the episodes these days? So that was that episode. But um, she also ba- she she wraps up the evaluation with saying, "I don't like how you make stuff up as you go along." But she's not suddenly requiring him to write out a plan. Yeah. She's saying, continue doing it even though I hate that you do it. And prove to me that it's not luck. And the first time you get someone or yourself killed, then you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't know that already. Well, he didn't. And now like, he does. Wait, you're saying that if I go out there and rig a bomb and it kills Jack, that somehow I'm going to be in trouble? 
you're going to hold me responsible for yeah. my actions. What? But yeah, that's the end of the episode. So, you know, it's... It's an unremarkable episode. Um, it, it didn't do anything for me. Also, I don't know how much more proof she needs that uh, it's not luck when he's like literally able to conjure lightning storms to strike exactly where he wants them he, to. He got lightning in a bottle and and used it to part power a cell phone. Yeah. And other things. Yeah. This episode was dumb. Yeah. Got a couple chuckles from the jokes, though. I'll give yeah. it that. See, I feel like there's opportunities. There's like op- always opportunities to make a more engaging episode. I think the problem is that there's too many characters on this show. Yeah. The original series had two characters. Mm-hmm. And then everyone else was rotating. Yeah, and and the, one of those two characters wasn't really ever involved. Yeah. Just maybe occasionally involved in... Yeah, if it was just Maddie and MacGyver played by George Eads. <laughs> this show would be much better. But that's not what it is. No. I don't know what else to say about this episode. It's just it's it's nothing. Yeah. Uh What's next week's call? Let's look to the future. Magnifying glass. Is there a magnifying glass on a Swiss Army knife? There might be. The, the, the Zodiac Killer is returned? Uh, what? That's seriously what it says? Yeah. When Maddie's goddaughter and her boyfriend are murdered oh in a... Oh my gosh. S- oh my god. That's crazy. So Ted Cruz is going to make like a cameo. <laughs> <laughs> That's exciting. It's a little late to be political, but... Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, Honestly, yeah. I'm excited for the Zodiac Killer. Yeah, so. okay. You, you, <laughs> you got some points you there. You won me on Zodiac Killer and Murdered Goddaughter. I was yeah. like, holy crap. Yeah, there you go. All right, so tune in next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in retrospect, don't watch Fish Scaler yeah. somehow. Unwatch it if you watched it before this. So, but yeah. I think that's all we got. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have any thoughts on this episode, I doubt you do. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at Opening Gambit. You can find us at Facebook.com slash Phoenix Foundation Podcast or our website, PhoenixFoundationPodcast.com. If you're digging the show, feel free to review us on iTunes. Tune in next week when we cover Reboot Season 1, Episode 15, Magnifying Glass, mm-hmm. and learn what David Fincher couldn't figure out. Yep. Um, who Zodiac Killer is. I'm sure they're going to just tell us plainly at the end of the episode. Yeah. What if it's Jack? That's why they had the falling out. Ah, that was the problem. Hey, Jack, so I found out you're a murderer. (laughs) (laughs) You're fired. You're fired. All right. Thank you for listening. Thanks. Thanks.